Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perek Hey, Mishnah Hey, Chapter 5, Mishnah Number 5. Asara Nisim Na'asulav Hussein of Mitzrayim. There were 10 miracles that were performed for our ancestors in Egypt. And 10 miracles were performed by the sea, by the Red Sea. There were 10 miracles that happened. There were 10 plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians in Egypt. The Esrayam. And 10 were brought upon the Egyptians in the sea when the sea split. So again, there's two parts here. The first part part of the Mishnah is telling us about the miracles that God has performed for us. That God performed 10 miracles for the Jews while they were in Egypt and another 10 for the Jewish people while they're at the Red Sea and while they cross the Red Sea. The second part of the Mishnah explains that God punished the Egyptians with 10 plagues on, in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, and 10 plagues by the Yamsuf, which is the Red Sea. So now, the first point which I wanted to discuss is this idea of miracles. What's the point of miracles? Why did God have to use miracles to redeem it from Egypt? Why couldn't he just distracted the Egyptians, and we would go out the back door of Egypt, and that's it. Why was it necessary for God to, quote-unquote, change the laws of nature to get us out of Egypt, to redeem us, to cross the sea, the Red Sea, to make a miraculous splitting of the sea? What's the point? Why was this necessary? So there's different commentaries that give different answers. But for tonight, I wanted to focus on a famous explanation, which is the Ramban on Parshas Bo. The great commentator Nachmanides, which is the Ramban, Rabbeinu Moshe ben Nachman, which is also referred to in English as Nachmanides, explains in the end of his commentary on the Torah in Parshas Bo, a reason why God performs miracles for us. And what's the benefit that we have from viewing miracles and experiencing miracles? How does that have to do with me today? He he explains that there's different reasons why God performs miracles. And number one, number one is that When God performs miracles, there is a realization that he's in charge. Number one is that there's a God. Number two is that he's in control of all aspects of this world. That God didn't just create the world and now it's going on autopilot. There is a belief out there that people say that they believe in God. They believe that Hashem created the universe. But he doesn't sweat the small things. He doesn't care what I do as an individual. And the Ramban explains 
This is incorrect. Because Hashem created the world and he, he cares about, he is running the world as we speak. He is maintaining the world. And he's involved with every single aspect that goes on. So when God splits the sea or turns the Nile into blood or turns dirt into lice, we clearly realize that there's a supreme power and that he's in control and he's involved in every aspect. And if, he, if the fact that Hashem used his, uh, Hashem redeemed us from Egypt through miracles shows us that there's number one, a supreme being. And number two is he is intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. And another point which he brings down at the end of his commentary is that the point of open miracles is to help us realize all the hidden ones. And that is the foundation of the Torah. That's how he finishes off his explanation about miracles. So now we have a lot of information here. Miracles are meant to show that Hashem, that there's a God. He's above all the rules of nature. He cares about what we're doing. He's involved with our lives. And finally, that it's, it's to help us recognize the hidden miracles in the world, which is, quote, the foundations of the Torah. Now, if we look at nature, what do you see? When you see a fruit blossoming on a tree, is that normal? Have you ever tried, tried to plant anything? A money tree, maybe? Did it work? How about a chocolate cake tree? Why don't you try to plant that? Doesn't work. Does it make sense that when we put a seed in the ground, it rots away, and then from the rot comes a new sprout, a new sapling, which grows up out of the ground and develops fruit of itself, which is tasty, delicious, colorful, beautiful. Does that make sense? Does it make sense that human beings are able to, to create other human beings? How, how all our systems work, how everything goes in sync with each other, the different cells and the brain and the heart and everything and the lungs and how everything works by itself. You don't have to think about it. Does that make sense? That a baby could be born and everything switches around from the fact it's underwater for nine months and then suddenly it's born into the world and has to start breathing oxygen and how all the miracles that take place, or I should, just, I should say nature right now. Is that just part of nature? Does that make sense? What do we see when we see these things? When we look at the world around us, what do we see? Is this just normal? Is it mother nature, quote unquote? Or there's something more than that. There's a force behind all these things which causes it to happen. You know, the generation who lived in the, in the desert, after the Jews left Egypt, we wandered in the desert for 40 years. 
until we were brought into the land of Israel. Now, during those 40 years, the Jews were sustained by mun, the manna, which came down from heaven every day. And every person would survive off the portion that they received straight from God. People didn't have to work for food. It was given directly to them. Now, when these people came into the land of Israel, there were people who spent their entire lives in the desert. There was no vegetation in the desert. There was nothing there. It was nothingness. You were totally reliant on God for your sustenance. This generation came into the land of Israel. The people who had never been in Egypt, and they came in and they saw a tree grow an apple. They were amazed. They were amazed because they never saw it before. That it, you put something in the ground and it comes out a tree. It's amazing. So the Ramban is telling us when he says that the point of open miracles is for us to realize the hidden miracles. And that is the foundation of the Torah is that when we realize that everything in this world, all every aspect of creation, all of nature, quote unquote, is Hashem, then we're getting to we're getting to the meat and potatoes because we're realizing that it doesn't just happen by itself. It's because Hashem decreed that the trees should grow and the baby should be born and everything should happen. And really these these acts of nature are really miracles of in itself. So when we see open miracles of the splitting of the sea and we see the, the Nile River turning to blood and we have lice, the dirt of Egypt turning into lice, we're able to realize that there's a Hashem. And we realize that it's not just these acts that are miracles. It's really all the day-to-day things as well that are miraculous also. And that's what the Ramban means, Nachmanides means when he says the point of open miracles is to recognize the hidden miracles. Because when we have the right lenses on, we have the right look at the world, we realize that everything that happens is divinely orchestrated and that Hashem is in charge, God is in charge of everything that's going on. And it gives us a greater appreciation and realization for the world we live in and the job we have to do. And the same thing would be for the, our, it's not just nature, it's for our everyday lives as well. Is it coincidence? Is everything a coincidence? Is there a big bang theory that two gases combine and then the world came? Or we don't believe in that. We believe that everything happened for a reason, that God created the world. Is it is it a mistake that I forgot to do X, Y, and Z today? Or I, or I wasn't able to do, uh, I missed my bus. No, it's, This is all part of the divine plan. The fact that we are where we are and we are in the surroundings that we're in, that we're surrounded by, is all part of the divine plan for a reason. And and this really leads us to a greater point, which is that we all have a mission which we have to complete and that only we can do based on the circumstances that we are in. We are the only people that can do our job meaning we have a certain task that we need to fulfill. And the circumstances in life that we have are the tools which we need to complete that task. So if we believe that Hashem is in charge of the world, 
So then we also believe that the situation that we are in is also part of that. Because if we say that Hashem is intimately involved in our lives, that means everything. It doesn't mean just part of our lives, the good things, quote unquote. It means the quote unquote bad things as well. If we have this outlook, there's no bad because we realize that everything is for a purpose. Everything is for a reason. I might, I might not understand the reason and I might not understand the purpose, but our job is to do the best that we can to be the best that we can be to try to achieve our potential and to get closer to Hashem in that way. Okay, so let's move on to the second part of the Mishnah. So we said that there were 10 miracles that happened to the Jewish people in Egypt and 10 miracles at the sea. There were 10 plagues that God hit the Egyptians with in Egypt and another 10 by the sea. Now let's just quickly go through them. So you have Dam, blood. The Nile turned to blood. Sephardea was frogs. Frogs came out of the Nile. Kinim was lice. Oro was wild animals. Dever was pestilence among the animals. Shechin was boils. Arbe was locusts. Hail, darkness, and the plague of the firstborn. Now, it's interesting to note that why was it necessary for God to perform two, two sets of miracles? What's this whole idea of 10 plagues in Egypt and 10 at the sea? You know, a lot of us, we're all familiar with the 10 plagues. We sing the songs, the kids by the Pesach Seder, we talk about it, the Tzach Hadash V'Achav, we dip our finger in the wine. But for a lot of us, we're not so familiar with this other set of 10 plagues which hit the Egyptians. We do talk about it in, in the Haggadah. It is brought down. But what was the, the point of God having to have to do another set of 10 to the Egyptians once they reached the sea, the sea and while the Jews were crossing? Wasn't 10 enough already in Egypt? Sounds like they got hit pretty bad. Why, did, why was it necessary to do another 10 while the Jews were at the sea? And the Maharal explains in a very beautiful way that the redemption from Egypt wasn't just a redemption from Egypt. It was more than that. And it really goes along with our theme that we've been talking about till now with, of the Ramban, of why do we need miracles? Because we mentioned why do we need miracles? Because miracles show us that there's a God and he is supreme God and he's intimately involved in our lives. And the Maral explains that the reason why it was necessary to have two sets of plagues, 10 at Egypt and 10 at the sea, was because when the Jews were redeemed from Egypt, there were two liberations that were going on. There was one liberation, which was from the Egyptians, that God showed the world that he can defeat any human power. No nation can rise up against him and defeat him. So God hit the Egyptians with 10 plagues in Egypt. He showed that he's in charge. No one can make, no one can destroy him. No one can make battle with him. He is the ruler of the world. Period. No human being can start up. That was one liberation. A second liberation was that God demonstrated to all of mankind 
that he has complete mastery of the universe, complete control of the world, that the laws of nature are irrelevant to him. And by showing us by the sea, he showed that if he wants, he can cause nature to stand still. He can cause the sea to, to not fall down on the people if that's his will. If that's his will. And that's why it was necessary for God to demonstrate two sets of, of plagues and two sets of miracles because of the dual nature of the liberation that took place when we left Egypt. It was the liberation from man from another nation that God is, cannot be defeated by any other human. And number two is that Hashem showed to the world that God is above nature. And he is infinite. We cannot comprehend him, but he, he, if he decides to stop nature and to overrule the laws of nature, he can do so. And, that, and by the case of Egypt, by the case of the Jews leaving Egypt, he demonstrated that for his will, his love of the Jewish people, and his desire to liberate us, he stopped all that and held the sea up. Now, one last question for this Mishnah before we move on is that we keep talking in these Mishnahs, as I mentioned, chapter five is a lot about 10. You say 10 generations, 10 tests of Avram, and now we're 10 miracles and the 10 plagues. So a question that you might ask is why was it necessary for Hashem to do 10 miracles? 10 by the sea, 10 in Mitzrayim. What was the point? Why couldn't you just do two miracles or one miracle or five miracles? What was the necessity of doing 10 miracles by in Egypt and 10 miracles in or by the sea? Now, there's different answers that are given for this question. But one answer which I thought was very intriguing and is a lesson that gives us an insight into how we live our lives and how we can aspire to be better is that when the Jews came to the, to the Red Sea, the commentaries explain they didn't want to go in. It was too hard for them. They, they didn't want to go in. They didn't trust God enough to just jump in the water. And the commentaries explain that God had to keep performing miracles for the Jewish people. He did one miracle, and the Jews went a little more. And they still couldn't go in all the way. So he did another miracle. And they went a little more. They were able to go a little more. And they did, then he did another miracle. And they are able to go a little more. Until it got to a point where God performed 10 miracles and the, and the Jews were able to go all the way through into the sea and the, and the splitting of the sea happened. So it wasn't that it was a one one size fits all or a, in one shot, the whole, the whole miracle of Exodus happened. Rather, it was incremental. Slowly, each person or the nation was pushed just a little bit out of their comfort zone every time. Hashem was asking them to do a little more than they could do before. He wasn't expecting them to just, just to do something they couldn't do and to be totally irrational. He was building up their trust. 
every miracle, they trusted in God more and more and more. He didn't expect them to just to just fly into the sea. I know it's brought down that Nachshon jumped in. We'll have to, how do we reconcile those two uh, commentaries? Maybe that's for a different time. But over here for this Mishnah, the commentaries I saw is that they, the Hashem wasn't expecting people to just to do a tremendous change in one second. And that's really the lesson for us. That a lot of times people think of religion is that I have to do massive changes in my life in one shot, in one day, in one moment. And sometimes we feel like this ourselves, that we want to do one change in one shot and be totally different people overnight. It is possible for people to do that, but for most of us, it's very challenging. And I don't know if God expects us to do that, to just be a totally different person in one split moment. And I think we learn from this Mishnah, from the fact that God performed 10 miracles for the Jewish people, each one pushing them a little more than before, is a lesson that Hashem doesn't expect us to make massive changes in our lives overnight. But rather, he expects us to make small changes, to take small steps to better ourselves. To say, to make a huge change in one shot, that's, I don't think Hashem expects us to do that. But at the same time, we cannot say, oh, I can't make a big change. I don't need to do anything. That you can't do. But what we could do is to do small steps. That's what Hashem expects us, to take something small. Maybe it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. I'm not saying every single step we take has to be perfectly in, in, our, in our comfort zone. And we do need to push ourselves. We do need to push ourselves just a little bit more than the last. And it's baby steps. When it comes to serving God and being a better Jew and being a better person, God doesn't expect giant changes. He expects us to take baby steps. And the famous example which is given, the mushal, is that if a person tries to jump up steps, right, what happens? You know, sometimes there's some people that skip steps when they go up the stairs. When I go upstairs, sometimes I'll skip a step. What happens if you try to skip two steps, three steps? At a certain point, you're going to fall straight in your face because there's only a limit of how many steps you could skip in one shot. But if you go one step, one step, one step, one step, one step, one step, you're going to get to the top. You're going to get there. And before you know it, you're going to be at the top of a whole flight of stairs. So when it comes to Avodas Hashem, when it comes to serving Hashem, Hashem doesn't expect us to be tzaddikim overnight. He doesn't expect us to be the greatest tzaddik, the greatest righteous person in one moment. But he does expect us to take baby steps. Things that we can do. We need to think of small things that we can implement in our lives. And it doesn't have to be too many small things at once. It could be one small thing that we can implement into our daily routine to be a better Jew, to have a better connection to Hashem, to be a better person, whether it be learning a little bit of Torah every day, whether it be lighting Shabbos candles, or maybe it's making Kiddush Friday night, or maybe it's giving a little more charity. There are plenty of small things that we can do that are not so hard 
Maybe it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. Maybe it doesn't feel so natural, but we can do it. We can do it. And when we do enough of these steps or even one thing, we do it for a long enough time, it's really a big thing because the small things are really big things. And we have to look at it as such. So to review for our Mishnah, we learned a few ideas tonight. Number one, we discussed the famous Ramban, Nachmanides on Parsha's bow, where he tells us the reasons for miracles. Why are miracles important? Because it tells us, number one, that God is the ruler of the world. And number two is that he's intimately involved in each and every one of our lives. And from seeing the open miracles, we, come, we become we learn to see the hidden miracles, which is, quote unquote, nature. That every single thing that happens in this world is really, is decreed from Hashem. And he's the one running the show. We also learned why it was necessary for God to have two sets of miracles, which was 10 by the sea and 10 by in Egypt. That was the Maral explained that there was two liberations that happened from Egypt. The liberation from a human power that God is stronger than any human power. And number two is that God can hold up the laws of nature if he so desires. And the last point which we learned is that why was it necessary for God to do 10 miracles? And we explain that each step the Jews took into the sea, God had to perform a little mir- another miracle to get them to go a little further until it got to a point where they were able to just go full steam into the, into the Yamsuf, into the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea. And the lesson that we learn is that God doesn't expect us to make overnight massive changes within ourselves, but rather he expects us to take something small upon ourselves, to do a baby step, something that's just out of our comfort zone to push ourselves a little bit And even it doesn't have to be forever. It could be for a short amount of time to take something upon ourselves, to find something we can improve in. And that's what we need to do. So I want to thank everyone for joining the Perkyavos podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.